Hello dear listener, a very warm welcome to you from wherever you're listening from. Coming to you live from the heart of Nairobi, this is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. The program is New Life and I am your presenter, Monica Kamokwa. Thank you for joining us today. Lydia Achieng will start us off in the family life segment with the topic, Posing to Pray. Then in the Bible segment, Ian Muse will be joining us to talk about the message of Noah. But before we get to that, let's first get the song, Kweli Mimi by Gloria Singers. Enjoy. Kweli Mimi Oh 
Welcome back dear listener that was Kweli Mimi by Gloria Singers. You're listening to the New Life program on Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. At this point, Lydia Aching joins us with more on pausing to pray. Stay tuned and be on the know. Hello, dear listener. Welcome to today's Family Life program. I'm your presenter, Lydia Aching. Today, we'll talk about pausing to pray. Prayer is your declaration of dependence. When you don't pray, it's your declaration of independence. It's your way of saying, I can do this without God. God prompted us to encourage you to pray for your spouse or the person you will marry and for yourselves this week. If you aren't regularly praying for your spouse, we hope this will be a new beginning for you. Your marital partner needs you to uphold him or her in prayer. If not you, then who will? Also, who should? For those of you who do pray often for your spouse, we hope this message will bless their hearts and yours. And for those of you who aren't yet married, you can pray for your future spouse now. When you eventually tell them that you prayed for them even before you met them, or if you do know who you are marrying and you pray for them, it will bless his or her heart all the more that you will be a partner in marriage in every way that is important. The prayers we will feature for this message are found in the excellent books, The Power of a Praying Wife and The Power of a Praying Husband. Both are written by Stormy Omatian along with her husband Michael. The first is for the wife to pray. You can use this as an outline to pray as God inspires or use these very words putting your heart into it. Lord, help me to be a good wife. I fully realize that I don't have what it takes to be one without your help. Take my selfishness, impatience and irritability and turn them into kindness, long-suffering and the willingness to bear all things. Take the hardness of my heart and break down the walls with your battering ram of revelation. Give me a new heart and work in me your love, peace, and joy. I am not able to rise above who I am at this moment. Only you can transform me. Show me where there is sin in my heart, especially with regard to my husband. I confess the times I've been unloving, critical, angry, resentful, disrespectful, or unforgiving toward him. Help me to put aside any heart, anger, or disappointment I feel and forgive him the way you do, totally and completely, no looking back. Make me a tool of reconciliation, peace, and healing in this marriage. I pray for your protection on my husband's mind. Shield him from the lies of the enemy. Help him to clearly discern between your voice and any other, and show him how to take every thought captive as you have instructed us to do. Lord, you've said in your word that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. I pray you will perfect my husband in your love, so that tormenting fear finds no place in him. I know you have not given him a spirit of fear. You've given him power, love, and a sound mind. I pray in the name of Jesus that fear will not rule over my husband. 
Instead, may your word penetrate every fiber of his being, convincing him that your love for him is far greater than anything he faces and nothing can separate him from it. Tune up the ears of my husband's heart to hear the call you have on his life. Help him to realize who he is in Christ and give him certainty that he was created for a higher purpose. May the eyes of his understanding be enlightened so that he will know what is the hope of your calling. Lord, when you call us, you also enable us. Enable him to walk worthy of his calling and become the man of God you made him to be. Continue to remind him of what you've called him to and don't let him get sidetracked with things that are unessential to your purpose. Strike down discouragement so that it will not defeat him. Let his eyes above the circumstances of the moment so he can see the purpose for which you created him. The following are prayers for the husband to use as an outline during prayer time for your wife or to use this words with your heart being expressed to God for your wife. Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Show me where my attitude and thoughts are not what you would have them to be, especially toward my wife. Convict me when I am being unforgiving. Help me to let go of any anger so that confusion will not have a place in her mind. If there is behavior in me that needs to change, enable me to make changes that last. Whatever you reveal to me, I will confess to you as sin. Make me a man after your own heart. I pray that you will bring my wife and me to a place of unity with one another. Make us be of the same mind. Show me what I need to do in order to make that come about. Give me words that heal, not wound. Fill my heart with your love so that what overflows through my speech will be words that build up, not tear down. Convict my heart when I don't live your way. Help me to be the man and husband that you want me to be. Lord, as much as I love my wife, I know you love her more. I realize that I cannot meet her every need and expectation, but you can. I pray that you will give her the fulfillment of knowing you in a deeper and richer way than she ever has before. Help her to be diligent and steadfast in her walk with you. Make her strong in spirit and give her an ever-increasing faith that always believes that you will answer her prayer. Father, I pray for my wife and ask that you will calm her spirit, soothe her soul, and give her peace today. Drown out the voice of the enemy who seeks to entrap her with lies. Help her to take every thought captive so she is not led astray. Where there is error in her thinking, I pray you would reveal it to her and set her back on course. Help her to hear your voice only. Fill her afresh with your Holy Spirit and wash away anything in her that is not of you. Lord, I pray that you would help my wife to be anxious for nothing. Remind her to bring all her concerns to you in prayer so that your peace that passes all understanding will permanently reside in her heart. Teach me to recognize the ploy of the enemy every time he tries to steal life from my wife by bringing fear to torment her. I stand against any enemy attacks targeted at my wife and I say that her spirit of fear will have no place in her life. Strengthen her faith in you, Lord, to be her defender. There is nothing better you can do for your marriage than to pray for and pray with one another. When you do, God draws you closer together and you unite your heart with His. Something amazing happens to our hearts when we pray for another person. The hardness melts. 
We become able to get beyond the hearts and forgive. We even end up loving the person we are praying for. It's miraculous. It happens because when we pray, we enter into the presence of God and He fills us with His Spirit of love. It is the prayer of our hearts that God will bless you in such a way that as others see how you treat your spouse, they will be attracted to the love of God and will want to know our God better. This material is provided by Marriage Missions International. Until next time, God bless you. Are you just joining us? This is the New Life Program with me, Monica Kamokwa, your host, coming to you live from the Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Always a pleasure to have you with us. You haven't missed a lot. If you wish to drop comments, suggestions, or questions, do so through the producer, Adventist World Radio, PO Box 422276, code 001000, Nairobi, Kenya, or email us at awr Nairobi at eku dot adventist.org. You're listening to the New Life Program, coming to you live from the heart of Nairobi. This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Don't change the channel. Choose you this day.
My dear listener, thanks for choosing our station. We are because you are. And now, please join me as I welcome Ian Muse for the Bible segment. He will be telling us more on the message of Noah. Be blessed. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ, dear listener. Welcome to our study today and feel at the feet of Jesus. The topic of our study is the message of Noah. Sometimes you hear fervent saints declare, If I had lived in the days of Jesus, I would have been one of his followers. But do we know what was involved in such an open alignment with Jesus of Nazareth? Regardless of their status, people were cast out of the synagogue immediately. This meant they were boycotted in their business, disinherited from the families, and considered to be dead by all their friends. Will some indeed have made that choice if they had lived in Palestine 2,000 years ago? Yes, but only the ones who would rather die than sin in their current situation will have stepped out to follow the lowly Nazarene then. And will it be the same for the days of Noah? We've already learned that only eight were willing to risk the censor and ridicule of being a member of Noah's boat church. How many modern saints will have dared take a public stand for the outrageous project of building a huge ship on the side of a dry hill? Probably no other religious group in the world history has endured more negative publicity than Noah and his family. It has always been fascinating to me that Noah probably hired helpers to construct the ark, and they perished later on because they rejected the very means of salvation in which they invested much of their lives. And these were the people who had the greatest reason for believing that a flood was coming. Day after day, they listened to the earnest message of the old patriarch as he pleaded with relatives and friends to avail themselves of this way of escape. The Bible calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 5 which indicates that he might have spent more time calling for decisions than driving nails into the earth. How can we explain the amazing resistance to the powerful, spirit-filled appeals of Noah and his sons? It seems almost a classic example of majority influence. The dread of being indifferent has driven many sincere people to reject out of hand the appeal of conscience and sound judgment. It happened in Noah's days, and it still happens today. Prejudice and emotion, once aroused, has a greater influence on decision than all the logical truth in the world. None of the antediluvians could deny the persuasive evidence of those animals marching two by two and seven by seven into the completed ark. But the jeering multitude reminded them of the cost of nonconformity. They dared not to be different and show any support for the unpopular little group of religious standouts. I've tried to imagine the dynamics of that last appeal Noah made to the crowd of Curious and Lucas. The sounds of construction have ceased, and the tools have been put out of sight. The animals are all safely on board, and Noah's family has finished transferring all the possessions into the massive windowless vessel. Of all the sermons which have ever been preached into the history of man, this is the one I would have preferred to hear. The drama of this moment was captured by our Lord Jesus when he said, As the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus described the indifference with which that message will be received. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, 
until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Luke chapter 17 verse 27 What a commentary on the paralyzing effect of sin. People continue business as usual while the last moments of probation slip away. Has any other preacher operated under the emotional stress that constrained Noah that day? He was fully aware that in a few moments the door behind him will close forever on any hope of salvation for the human race. Only the words of this final sermon could make a difference for any living soul. The scriptures indicate that Christ, by the Holy Spirit, was preaching through Noah to the spirits of those sin-bound people. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18-20 to 20. I'm sure there were tears in Noah's voice and on his cheeks as he pleaded with them to join him in the ark. Many in the audience were lifelong neighbors, and perhaps Noah even called them by name as he pressed his appeal for decision. A solemn conviction held the crowd motionless as the old man paused to wipe his eyes. Then there was a restless stirring as some began to edge forward as though they would join the little group, but they were instantly drawn back by the hands of relatives or friends. I cannot enter fully into Noah's feelings as he turned to join his family in the ark for the last time, but I have strong kingship with him in that lonely last call he extended to the crowd. I've felt it every time I close a crusade and give the final invitation. I always personally know individuals in that audience who are fighting the Spirit of God. They believe the truth, tremble with conviction, and are almost persuaded to come forward. That's the way it must have been with Noah as he turned to beseech just one more time. But finally, he had to bring the meeting to a close and walk, weeping through the open door. And suddenly, that door began to move on its hinges. And within second, it had swung shut with a solid thud. There were nervous cries from some as the door closed, and then a bubble of excited conversation. My, have you ever had anything like that in your life? One voice came out above the others. Do you think he really could be correct about a flood? Asked another. But then there was sharp dissent and some were pointing to the cloudless sky to loudly affirm what had been heard repeatedly since the ark project began. It never has rained, and these people are wild fanatics to believe such foolishness. For two or three days, apprehension continued to grip the community, especially as they passed the tightly closed ark each morning on their way to work. But by midweek, it seemed obvious to all that Noah's prediction had been totally wrong, and even those who had been stirred deeply with conviction were embarrassed by their former concern. To cover their chagrin, some of them began to make mocking comments to anyone who would listen. By the seventh day, not one sympathetic sentiment was to be found favoring the cloistered family. And then it happened. Clouds seemed to appear out of nowhere, and drops of rain began to spot against the hungry earth. Screams and cries rent the air as men, women, and children fled toward any shelter available. But then the water was pouring in torrents from the heavens and out of huge cavernous cracks in the ground. Those who were able to struggle to higher levels were quickly overwhelmed and dragged to their deaths, while the great cypress ark floated gently and safely on the rising waves. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. A few faithful ones counted as fools and fanatics, but courageous enough to follow unpopular truth and proclaim a special warning that the end is near will be saved. Have you heard it? 
Do you grasp the lesson our Lord was teaching in the Noah's sermon? As it was, so shall it be. No ifs or ands or buts. So shall it be. The last night on earth will come for everyone when the heavens split wide open. And the glorious retinue of angels provide a dazzling freeway of splendor for the King of Kings and the Lords of Lords. It will be unexpected and it will be too late for those who waited till the door of mercy closed. Friend, we have no time to joke around. We shall prepare for eternity by forming the right character. God bless you abundantly. Amen. I was your presenter Ian Muse and have a good time. Thank you for staying tuned throughout the show. It is always a pleasure to have you with us. If you have any feedback about the show, you can get in touch through the producer Adventist World Radio, PO Box 42276, code 00100, Nairobi, Kenya, or email us at awrnairobi at eku.adventist.org. That brings us to the end of the show today. I have been your host, Monica Kamokwa. Until we meet again right here, God bless you abundantly. Yeah.